Well, this is a final episode of the season here uh, for the Chorus in the Chaos podcast. I'm here with Blake and with Jack. This is Grayson Gilbert. Uh, today, we're actually taking a little bit of a different tack here. We're going to be talking about the topic of persecution or uh, suffering along with persecution. Um, the reality is that we are three guys who live in America. And so for us right now, there's varying forms that we would argue are you know, ways Christians could be persecuted in the States. But uh, by and large, when people think about it, people think of things overseas where people are being either killed for their faith or being uh, cast out of their homes. You know, think of the book of Hebrews where people have literally lost everything as a result of simply following Jesus Christ. What we want to do today, though, is talk about that reality because the more and more we see things heading in our society the way they have, um, in our minds, what we're, what we believe we are seeing at least is kind of those first fruits of that, um, so what we want to do today is start off and just kind of define terms. What is church persecution? Secondly, we want to talk about how does the Bible define these things and what does the Bible actually say about this, uh, particularly as we look at it in light of our Christian hope. And then finally, we want to cover that area where we're talking about um, what does the future look like for us? And obviously, none of us are prophets nor the son of prophets, um, but we want to take a stab <laughs> at that. So... Again, Speak I'll, for I'll, yourself. Hey, I'm I'm no prophet. <laughs> I did a lot of the minor prophets through preaching, but I have to throw that in there every once in a while just because. And if you subscribe to our monthly <laughs> payment content, we could make a profit. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let, me, uh, let me give you guys some quick facts here. So I put this outline together and uh, – I, I spent a little bit of time reading about, not that I haven't done it, because I guess because I haven't done it in a while, and it was it was sobering to go back through it. Um, because I do think, and, we'll, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit, uh, as it relates to, you know, where we are and how in America the church is in a tough spot because of our, our, um, our the idols we've made out of comfort and safety and uh, prosperity and all these things as a nation, uh, different discussion, but I think we'll touch on a little bit, but I think, I think because we live in this bubble, we often forget what it can be like in the rest of the world. So this is some, a couple, a couple of facts I share from Pew research. One in every eight Christians in the world suffers some type of, some type of severe persecution. One in every eight. Um, the number of countries with pers Christian persecution being physical persecution is rising. Uh, it said there was 108 in 2014, and it was up to uh, 145 in 2018. And I thought I found this this statistic kind of interesting too. 75 percent of the world's religious persecution, being all religions, is experienced and suffered by Christians. Um, and another thing that struck me, and I'll just kind of mention by way of introduction, when I when I went through and and just began to think about persecution, began to look up verses, and and you know just began to read about the the various times that persecution is mentioned in the scripture. There's a tremendous amount of instances in the Bible where the subject of persecution is dealt with. And it, it was sober to me, like I, I not that I didn't know it, but I've. I guess it had been so long since I'd thought about it and gone through and just looked at it as a single source of, let me just go through and look at this subject, right? And went through. And there there, there were 20 to 30 independent texts, or I would say areas in, in the New Testament specifically, where the subject of persecution was addressed in some way, shape, or form. And it was just, it's sobering. I think, I think where we are, we forget that there are... Um, brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, one in every eight, apparently, who are experiencing severe persecution for their faith. So it, it was it was sobering to me, uh, putting this outline together and doing a little bit of uh, research up front. Yeah, that number of 75% is, is just truthfully staggering. Um, you know, there's an anecdotal level to that where you, you hear the words of Christ where he says, if you follow me, you will be persecuted for my name's sake, right? And, and we believe that, we know that. Um, but when you can see it in reality, I think there's there's a sobriety and just a sadness in my heart for that. Um, it, no matter what kind of a people group you are, if you're facing persecution, like it's not a good thing, right? We would all naturally agree it's evil, it's wicked. Um, even those who are, you know, I think of like the 
Uyghurs or Uyghurs or however you pronounce it in China that were being persecuted along with Christians. Um, it's like no matter what persecution was happening, it was wicked. Um, but there's that level of truthfulness to God's word just being demonstrated simply in that percentage being so high. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Blake, you want to give us, uh, before we jump into this, do you have any thoughts or you want to give us a definition of persecution? Yeah, no, I think a good working uh, definition of persecution uh, that Jack uh, lassoed up for us, any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Jesus Christ. Um, And so again, there's some key factors there in the uh, definition, uh, namely, that you're actually experiencing hostility for identification with Jesus Christ, uh, not from some other thing. Uh, the Bible says uh, that, uh, <clears> or <throat> Christ says in Matthew 5.10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So not all suffering is persecution. Uh, it must be the result of, again, living righteously for Christ in a path of obedience. Something I say pretty regularly is not all persecution is biblical persecution sometimes people are coming down hard on you not because you're godly but because you're a jerk and uh, those two things are very different they're very different um and you can be a christian and be a jerk and experience persecution because you're a jerk and not because you're a christian (laughs) <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, I wouldn't even call it persecution at that point. You're just basically uh, reaping what you've yeah. sown. Well, I, I think people interpret it as that. So, you know, I I remember talking to some when I when I became a new believer and a relatively new Calvinist. There were some other Calvinists who really reveled in the fact they were just when pe- when people get upset that I talk to them, it means I'm doing the right thing. Because they would look at this right. this idea of if I'm creating all this conflict, conflict is persecution and persecution is blessedness. And yeah, and exactly. Yeah, that one 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 plus one does not equal three. There, like, you, right. <laughs> that's not the same thing. Why is my family so upset with me simply because I hit grandma with the Calvinist <laughs> flamethrower in the middle of Christmas dinner? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I must be persecuted. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and some of that too is, you know, I think goes back to the, on in that regard of you know, actually speaking the truth in love and actually having some tact on the things that you say and how you carry yourself. But if you're just going in, just mowing down bodies uh, for the purpose of destruction, uh, then you're not any anything that you feel from that or any rebuttal you get from that i don't think you can rightly call persecution yeah. you can just call it a consequence of not behaving the way that you should behave right. yep yeah and you quoted it matthew 5 and jesus says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness's sake right not not for jerk so we also have to remember though that of course persecution is not just the physical aspects because that's I think at least for me when I hear persecution the thing that instantly comes to my mind is you are thinking of those uh, physical persecutions you know of underground churches being raided people being arrested people being put to death uh, all of those kinds of things but it's not just physical and uh, I think this is maybe where in some ways we bring it closer to home. Uh, for us Americans. And that's not to say that there's no physical persecution in America or anything like that. I mean, your case may be, uh, you know, a unique case. We're kind of speaking from just experience in in some regards here. Uh, But again, persecution is not just the physical aspects. Yeah, when you look at the weight of Scripture, there's actually, there's a tremendous amount. Um, There's a word that's used in the Greek, it's called diako, and it's it's the root word we get for persecute. Um, when it's used, or it's used in various different contexts, it actually is quite broad. So um, I, I made a small list of just different ways that that word and a couple other keywords show up that um, insinuate that idea that you talked about, Jack, with the, or that you put in the outline at least, that hostility experienced as a result of Christ's name or Christ's righteousness, as Matthew 5.10 says. But you have, you know, John 15, 18 through 19, people that are hated simply for their faith. 
Uh, same in Luke 6.22. You have others that are insulted as a result of following Christ. It's 1 Peter 4.14, 2 Corinthians 12.10. Uh, others suffer for doing good, 1 Peter 3.17. Uh, some are cast out as evil, meaning that simply as a result of following Christ, they're now declared evil rather than good as God would declare them. Um, John 16.2, then you have going on and on and on where people are insulted, they're mocked, they're reviled, slandered. And then you have the more severe forms that we tend to think of, which is like the beatings and the stonings and killings and all yeah. that. Yeah, I, I do think there's, it's a pretty popular, I'll call it a trope. I'll use the word trope. Troped for when someone says, especially because we run a Facebook page, we do all these things and we've gotten in the blog, obviously, no no amount, no shortage of criticism and slant, like <laughs> just no shortage of it. Um, and you bring yeah. these things up and I've heard Christians many, many times come back and say, that's not real persecution. And I will freely admit it is not the same as being uh, the intense physical persecution that others have felt. But to be fair, if we're going to use the Bible of the standard, the objective standard of truth, it is persecution, right? It just is. Right. It's a form of yeah. persecution. Yeah. None of us are claiming that this is the same as going to Darfur and having a a gun put up against your head because you're preaching the gospel, right? Right. Um, But what what Jack is saying here is very clear. Like, the Bible is ultimately the authority on these issues, and if it has broad categories at which it looks at these things, then we have to be able to accept that. And a few of those broad categories, you know, we have listed out in front of us with uh, persecution, again, not being just physical. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Again, Matthew 5.11. Uh, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile uh, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. First Peter 3.16. Second uh, Corinthians twelve ten says, "For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong." Um, and then you've got a quote there, Jack. Who is this guy? Tell us about him. You guys are the Baptist here. You should know who Tom Askell is. Don't let the Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know who Tom Askell is. Am I supposed to? Am I supposed to know who Tom Askell is? He's a very well-known uh, Reformed Baptist. Oh. Do you not know who he is? I do not. That's a long silence. Yeah, no, he doesn't. No, mm. Tom Askell is a uh, founder's ministry. He uh, he ran for, um, what is it, president? Yeah, it would be president of the SBC this last year. Okay. Still nothing, huh? <laughs> All right. Can you hear me, Grayson? <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> I'm just looking. It's like this uh, dough in a headlight. It's like, mm, nope. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Nope, still not. I nothing. feel so, like such a well-rounded Presbyterian right now. Look I at know. you. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, he, yeah. I, yeah, I jotted down a quote that I came across, and, and he said, to, to the point we're making, when a believer is spoken to uh, derisively or abusively because of his devotion to Christ, he is, at that point, experiencing persecution. Like when he doesn't know who Tom Askell is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll admit there was a little bit of derisiveness in my my tone there. Um, Classic, certainly Grayson. not abusiveness. So. <laughs> well, I felt abused. <laughs> so yeah, and I don't know. I guess I guess it related to the to, to where we are as a as a. In fact, before we started recording, Grace and I were just talking about. There's a couple of posts on the Facebook page where, I guess it's probably got shared in some atheist group or something i don't know because every so often we'll have a post that'll happen like that and and then they just come in droves atheist and and just come and just say awful things right and mock christianity and make fun of anything and everything related to who we are and what we're saying right and i I, again that's that's persecution and it's it's not enjoyable but but i will say this it is comforting to look at christ's words and know that you know, first of all, I pray I'm doing things for righteousness sake, right? Let me let me qualify that to not go against what I'm saying earlier, because it's a meme, right? Um, but so maybe there's some <laughs> some gray area there. But but for example, well, I think when you're writing a blog post, though, that, and yes, it's about that's a, a long, topic, yes, it's not a meme. It's a long form but, specific thought, right? Yeah, that, and that's happened plenty of times between all three of us. Oh really. yeah. Um, but 
when you look at something like that, and it could be something very benign to where there, it's not controversial. It's like, hey, um, you know, as a Christian, you should be reading your Bible. And you'll get 50 different comments on some of these different places where it's like, oh, you believe in the magic sky, daddy, huh? Yeah, go ahead and look up in your book book of magic. Make Man, that, that hurts me every time they say that. Yeah, well, that one I'm like. Rocks me to my core. Oh, woe is me. You have dismantled the Christian faith. <laughs> it's just like, God. Pack it up, boys. Um, but done. you get other ones. Yeah. Like, Jack, I think yeah. uh, it was either you or me on some of the earlier blog posts we did on Patheo said um, there were actual death threats that came yeah. through where some pe- some guys like, I want to hunt you down and come and kill you. And Personal like, oh, attacks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah. I went Personal back in, attacks. again, in preparation for this. I read an article. I went. I wrote an article in 2021 on persecution. I went back and read what I wrote and kind of prepped for just to kind of get my mind wrapped up about this or wound up for this. And in the and it was a response to another article and I actually quoted somebody. So again, in this article, I was I was responding to another one and the whole article was a, a per, both were on persecution. So I over-explained that and now I ruined it. But uh, but <laughs> I made it more confusing rather than just read. But anyway, th- there were in the comment section, there were people saying, I have a den of lions waiting for you and you come see me and you'll have, you'll experience a death trap. And I remember one guy, I don't remember this, this wasn't on this one, but s- something about, I've got a house full of guns. And if you show up, I'll let you meet them or something like just non like, <laughs> I am always up for a gun show. So, yeah, it's like, well, well it kind of do you have antique guns? Yeah, they're right. cool. <laughs> but it's just it's it's I don't know. You know, we were it's weird stuff. It, it yeah, is. Stuff. It is. Yeah. But to back back to my earlier point, I think the main the main takeaway here here is um, it is comforting to know that I am to glory in that. Right, that I am blessed because of that. Because not so much for memes, maybe some of them, but memes are kind of intentionally quippy and silly, right? But for long form, long form presentation of ideas and doctrine and thought, like a like a blog or something like that, or like this podcast, right? Um, to the the hatred that we experience and the pushback that we experience, Christ knew that he knew it was going to happen, and. Before we were ever here, he gave us words of encouragement, peace that we can dwell upon. That's an it's an encouraging thought. Yeah, I think as our culture just continues to go the way it does, though, too, as people are um, maybe experiencing these types of things within their families or within the workplace or even their friendships, um, that simply as a result of preaching the gospel or being faithful to not do a particular societal evil, that those words can be a comfort to them as well. That. Because those things are hard. I mean, oh yeah, this. I, I think. I think this. We're kind of jumping into point three a little bit, but um, about you know persecution to come. But I, I think about my kids and the social pressures and the the social issues and the pressure that they'll feel from them. And um, it's easier for me because I am you know a, I'm a grown adult at this point. Um, by the grace of God, I'm I am I hope grounded in the Bible on these issues and. I have something to go back through, but it's a lot harder when you're in middle school and high school and when you're, you know, you're developing your worldview, right? Um, the, the, the pressure that our children will face in this world is immense. It's absolutely immense. And to, to take a stand against an issue like homosexuality or transgenderism or pick any, you know, any social topic, abortion, whatever it is, right? The, just to take a stand on that, not even, now you might be doing it because of the gospel, but you're not, you're not you know, you're not making a, a claim of the gospel. You're not fighting the, against it with the gospel. You're saying, I'm, I'm against that, right, for various reasons. Just to say I'm against it is is to walk in the way of righteousness and experience, um, you know, people, forms of persecution, slander, whatever else may come. Yeah. I mean, you think of the early church, all it took was them saying, no, Caesar is not yeah. Lord, and we will not burn incense. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? But kind of back to your point with— uh, what we were looking at when we're when we understand these things through a biblical lens, um, the reality at hand is that the Bible simply promises this. What it does for you and for me and for everyone else, if we're genuinely in Christ, it gives us a massive amount of scriptures that just simply tells us that we should expect it. Um, 
we should in one sense have joy in that. Um, but in the final sense, we should take comfort in the reality that Christ has gone before us in that as well. So Jack, you jotted down a number of verses. I don't know. Do you want to hit a couple of them or Blake, did you want to hit some? Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know if, um, cause nobody kind of talked about this off, off screen, but I, I do think that at least speaking from our experiences, um, you know, maybe we have felt varying degrees of that non-physical uh, persecution. Uh, and I don't want it to sound like we're making light of, like, the time and place that we live in. And that, like, the worst thing that we've, you know, that we've experienced or have experienced is some sweaty guy on the other end of a keyboard somewhere. <laughs> or, uh, like, mean tweets. You know, yeah, yeah, like, mean <laughs> tweets and things like that. Because there is, yeah. because there is that aspect of very real... Um, non-physical persecution that takes place with faithful believers that is heart-rending. I mean, I don't know if I would say some guy saying this article was stupid uh, is heart-rending to me. Um, but, you know, the but the Christian woman who's, you know, mocked by her unbelieving husband, uh, the kid that's ostracized at school uh, because, you know, he stands for Christ and he goes to a public school, and so kids, you know, rip him up and down. Uh, the guy that gets, you know, passed over again and again at work for promotions because, simply because he is righteous and others despise him, you know, for his righteousness. Uh, the, you know, the people that have been cut out of wills and, and shut out by their family because they chose Christ over, you know, comfort or over, you know, family loyalties and things like that. I mean, those those things do happen. And so we're not trying to make light uh, by any means of um, like saying like, oh, well, Americans aren't persecuted. Uh, because, I mean, those things, uh, those things go beyond uh, country borders uh, and, and people all over, Christians all over the place uh, experience those things uh, in yep. one way or another. So. Well, one of the first things that happened when I, so I was in a completely different culture when I was an atheist. I mean, I was, all my friends were atheists. I was a drug dealer at that time. And so there was all that world behind it too. And immediately when I came to Christ, there was a, a point of losing virtually all of my friends at that time. And it was literally simply on the basis of the gospel. I remember having shouting matches with a guy, and this was not righteous of me, by the way. But I, I had a, I'm, I'm literally yelling back at him like, no, you literally can't do anything to earn your salvation. And he's like, that just doesn't make sense. And that's what our fight was. But then two weeks go by and he, he's like, you know, I just, I literally want nothing to do with you. Um, and I mean, flat out told me that to my face because I was no longer the party guy. Um, and 90% of my friends all walked away at that point. And at that time, that was a hard thing. I look back on it now, and it's a gift of God's grace because he closed a lot of those friendships, you know, from me. So that way I no longer went and did anything stupid. Um, but at that time, it was really hard. And I've talked with people in the church that their families have done that to them. You know, it's it's not just friends. It's like now, you know, single girl or single guy who has been very intimately tied to his family for his whole life, and now they literally won't talk to him. Um, Roman Catholic ties are heavy around here in Kenosha, where where I live, roughly. And so if you come to faith as a Protestant, all that whole family goes away, or they'll just ostracize you and alienate you the rest of your life. So you might go to a family function, but then as you get there, you're mocked and reviled and everything else that whole time. Right, right. Yeah. I remember when I was converted, uh, one of the last conversations that I had with my best friend of like, you know, 15 years was, you're brainwashed, man. They brainwashed you. <laughs> you <know>? They got you. <laughs> they got you. You big dummy. <laughs> they got you. You know? And it's so, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of stuff. Again, particularly on upon conversion. But I think, man, my heart goes out for the people that are, you know, like who Paul is addressing in the church of Corinth, I can't imagine uh, the wives that are converted whose husbands now just want to make their, their lives miserable 
or vice versa, you know, or vice versa. Um, just wild stuff, wild stuff. So a few things um, that we were mentioning. Again, the Bible promises persecution. Followers of Christ, persecution will happen. In a way, it's comforting knowing what's coming down the road, uh, I think. Are you prophesying, um, Blake? Well, that's what Scripture says. John 15, <laughs> 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Again, this is Jesus speaking, who always did right, never messed up, never did anything. I mean, so far above and beyond what I am as a believer. And if Jesus was persecuted in all of his perfection, of course, we're going to be persecuted. We're not greater than the master. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's not an issue of maybe, it's not an issue of if, but if you desire to live a godly life, at some point you will face persecution. Yeah, omelet, Blake. Um, I think the inverse here is true. And, and Did you just call me omelet, Blake? <laughs> <laughs> omelet, Blake? No, but I'm going to start. <laughs> um, I'm Grayson Gilbert. I'm Jack Lee, and this is Omelet, Blake. Hey, I mean, that's a pretty uh, good nickname. Eggs are pretty expensive right now. So. That's like a morning show host <laughs> uh, name. Anyway. But, but Welcome to The Daily Show with Omelet, Blake. <laughs> Subscribe to our premium content, and you'll hear more about Omelette Blake. Now that we're uh, officially, now that we've officially thrown Jack off enough. No, I'm still on. I'm like a bloodhound do on it. this. So do it. If do um, it. so, the the inverse of this is true, right? And this is something that I, I've thought about in my life. If you've gone your entire life as a Christian and never experienced any form of persecution, would you say? This is a question for you too. Would you say that that could be an indicator of lack of genuine faith? Uh, no. I, are you looking for an answer, or do you have an answer? No, no, no. I mean, there was a question. Oh, I don't think Grayson's probably got things to say on this too. I would think there, there's in one regard, uh, you can very, very easily, uh, as a Christian, bubble wrap yourself where you're not open to persecution because your only communications are uh, with Christians and around Christians and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, if you want to be persecuted, go knock on a few doors and invite people to church. And then you'll be persecuted and you'll be reminded what it's like, you know, <laughs> what it's like. So I think I think in a way you can, you can pad yourself where you don't have as many opportunities to be persecuted. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that means that you're not a believer. It's just, you know, you live in yeah, Geneva. I'll, I don't know. I'll put it this way. If you if you have never been persecuted, I would say I would doubt your faithfulness as a Christian. Um, and what I mean by that is I would doubt your faithfulness to things like the Great Commission. I yeah. would doubt your faithfulness yeah, to um, just simply living for the sake of righteousness because that plays out in everyday life. So if you're at the workplace and nobody looks at you differently – there's something off there uh, in your family. I mean, if there's unbelievers in I those contexts. I work at a church, though. Yeah, so I, I was, that's why I qualified. Huh? So if there are unbelievers in those contexts, though, we should be notably different from them. And not in a way that's, you know, we're looking down on them, of course, but that uh, we don't do the same things that they do. We don't choose the same yeah. uh, loves that they have. And that should reflect itself. But Ultimately, if we're not preaching the gospel, we're going to avoid it all day long because we're never going to ruffle anybody's, you know, feathers, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I did. Add, I did kind of have a thought of my own, but I wanted to hear you guys first. So, yeah, I would agree, Grayson. I think I think there's an there there if you've if you've gone years and years as a Christian and not experienced persecution, I would encourage you to look to look at your obedience to the faith. Are you in righteousness's path? Are you like you, the Great Commission is a good example, right? Are you evangelizing? Are you are you uh, doing what Christ has commanded? Simply because that's where persecution comes. You know, when we're in obedience to the faith. If we're doing the things that Christ has commanded us to do and following His example, persecution comes. It comes in the path of righteousness. So, 
Yeah. But I will say, I mean, it can also be an indication that you are not in Christ. And the reason I say that is only because of the parable of the sower, right? You do have some that are, um, I believe it's on the, uh, I can't remember which one off the, maybe the thorns where, um, you know, that they're choked out by the thorns of the soil. But the reality is it's as a result of the suffering and persecution. Um, and so that is an indication that that can be a fruit of that. So does that necessarily mean that? No, you would have to do some self-examination. Like we can't answer that on a podcast. However, it is an indication that Christ lists in the parable of the sower that we ought to at least be mindful of. Yeah, well said. Yeah, another verse here, kind of the last one, just this to make the bullet point that if for followers of Christ, persecution is going to happen. Another another quote from Jesus. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man, right? Because again, if you're doing these things, um, it'll happen. Uh, but let's, let's shift gears. So I think I think we've made that point. Uh, let's talk a little bit, and Blake, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, what is the Christian's hope in response here? And you, you gave a really good list a moment ago of examples and ways that that beyond just guys writing a blog and, and as you put it, some sweaty guy on the other other end t- com- talking about a sky daddy I probably or something. Shouldn't have said, probably shouldn't have said that. Well, it's a guy eating Hot Pockets in his mom's basement. <laughs> I'll, I'll just push it even further. Oh, yeah, you think that's bad. I think it <laughs> just turns into a roast. Um, actually. Yeah. Actually. So, what is the hope of the Christian in persecution and how should we respond when these things happen? Yeah. Um, perspective is everything. So we live in a very, very short time span, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, that we have this short time on earth. And even if you live to be a hundred years old, if you're just a real champ, um, you're going to die and then you're going to spend eternity somewhere, which is unfathomable. I mean, we can't even wrap our minds around, uh, existing from this point on. Uh, and so considering that we have this short time on earth and that we will actually feel persecution, that we will experience persecution, we have a hope that there is, as believers, we have a hope that there's a day that it is going to come to an end. And so in that, in that there is a blessedness, uh, to the fact that persecution will be brought to an end, and furthermore, we will be rewarded uh, for our faithful obedience. Uh, Matthew 5.10, again, Christ, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, We can rejoice and have hope and glorify God, and we don't have to fear uh, in times of persecution because the Lord saw these things, he intends them, uh, even these things, even even persecution, uh, he works together for our good. Um, we're to be reminded what Matthew 5.12 says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, I think I've, I've heard it said this way before. It, it, this is like the the comfort of Christ saying, you will be misunderstood. Like, you will be misunderstood, you will be misquoted, you will be misrepresented, you will be mistreated. Uh, but it's okay because the Lord knows uh, everything that's actually going on. And then we have this long stream of faithful people behind us who the same thing happened to them. And so it's almost as if believers in this time, like we have the ball of persecution that's been passed to us from the guys behind us. And we should not be the ones that are trying to fumble the ball, you know, Uh, that our faithfulness will lead to persecution. We're blessed in that. We have, I mean, this promise of blessing from Christ is... Uh, it is a supreme comfort, uh, I think. Yeah, absolutely. and then ultimately, and then ultimately, all like, and then ultimately, I think we've said this before, is that there is the promise too that all things will be made right. Like we don't even have to seek our own vengeance. In fact, we're commanded not to, because vengeance belongs to the Lord, and He's going to take care of all of it. So 
nobody gets away with anything. Your sins will either be paid for by you and an eternity spent in hell, or your sins will be paid for uh, by the blessed Son of God on the cross of Christ. But either way, nobody gets away with anything, and every sin is taken care of. Uh, And so, again, that should be a comfort uh, to the Christian as well. Man, what a comfort. What a comfort. You know, we're commanded to, uh, you read it in verse 512, so we can, we, we know that we're blessed. We know that the kingdom of God is, is all, like there's all these things that you mentioned, Blake, and then we're commanded to rejoice and be glad. Mm. How counterintuitive is that to the world? <laughs> yeah, right. That's like the secret sauce. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's so unique, so unique. And I think, you know, uh, I actually, I'm surprised we've gotten 36 some odd minutes and not quoted this, but that Tertullian quote, Tertullian, Tertullian, uh, the church father, um, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, right? Um, It's because throughout the centuries and the history of the Christian people, when persecution has happened, the way Christians respond is so baffling to the world they look at it and we're like, what is this? There, right. there's, there's substance here. This is not normal. Like, what is right. going on? You know? And and that Christ knew that. And and, and and prepares us for it. There's so much talk of this. Whatever, whatever is coming our way, Christ knows it, prepared it. It was ordained. And he's been speaking comfort to Christians through thousands of years, through his word and through his spirit. Rejoice and be glad. How many? Work. Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go, go. I mean, just how many? Like, how many examples? Again, in history, do we read about of martyrs singing in the flame? You know, yeah. praying, praying as they're being persecuted, like with joy that they're getting ready to meet Christ. I mean, that has to be the most unsatisfying execution for persecutors. Of there all was time. one like, I read recently. Yeah. Like you were just um, releasing me to where I want to go. So for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Right. Yeah, there was there was one I read recently, and I can't remember if it was in Russia or Serbia, somewhere during you know the winter is super, super cold, obviously. They took this gang of Christian men out on the ice and made them strip down to nothing. And as they're sitting there freezing to death, they're singing hymns, and one of the soldiers actually converted as a result of it and then the guards took him and killed him with them right i remember but he was singing at this point too and it's just like what i mean completely backwards way that the christian deals with something so heinous and so evil right right. where the rest of this world is left to freak out i mean we we can literally look at it and say okay we don't have reason to fear we don't have reason to be anxious we know that our soul is kept safe with our Lord, and the worst thing you can do to us in this life by taking our lives is really the best thing that you can do for us. Yeah, what a thought. And the, yeah, wow. and the power of the gospel and the power, like, in that, you know, that ice death. Because I've heard that, I heard that, you know, story before as well. How easy would it have been for that guard to be like, uh, I'll become a Christian in 10 minutes. I'll like, wait. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, when this is over, when this is over, when we get back on... Uh, Solid land. In my heart of hearts, I'll be a Christian, you know. Uh, that's a, actually a Serbia accent I was doing just then. Well, it, it um, reminds me of, um, I mean, Jack, you had that. <laughs> Gosh. In my heart of hearts? That sweet southern Serbian <laughs> yeah. accent. Those boys look oh, chilly. Oh, bless your heart, dear. Classic omelet Blake. <laughs> um, I was going to say, though, it reminds me, I mean, Jack, you quoted this, Revelation 2. 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. And then he says this, this is the kicker. Be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Right, so before any of this happens, he takes this group of people at the church, and he says, look, you're going to be set in prison. You're going to be there for 10 days. It'll be hard, endure. But then at the end of 10 days, you'll find sweet release. And most Americans would, would hear that and say, okay, I'm, an, I'm going to be released from prison. I'm going to be free. I'm going to 
go get my guns and come in there like a rootin' tootin' Texan and shoot them up. But no, he says, what? <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> well, think about it. That's how we think as good Americans, right? Our our immediate thought is to go back towards vengeance and or to go back towards um, what we would classify as a, a righteous uprising. But he looks at these people and says, no, be faithful unto death. Yeah. And I think that's a particularly hard pill for for many of us to swallow, but um, that's all part and parcel to the beauty of what makes a martyr a martyr. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Another verse here, Second Corinthians 4, 8 through 12, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our own mortal flesh. So death is at work in a, within us, but life in you. That's so powerful. I'll, I'm going to read a... I was going to do this later. Um, I told you guys I was going to do this. So uh, I'm going to read this story now because like, I think it goes along with with what we're talking about. Um Back in like 2003, I read like every other Calvinist. I read uh, John Piper's Desiring God. I've got a copy here. Proof. The only thing I remember about the book is this one little story. And I remember specifically there's a chapter near the end of the book on suffering that's quite good. And he tells the story. I'm just going to read it. So this is out of Piper's Desiring God. It's like a it's like story inception because he's telling a story from a diary. And this is a diary written, I think... I think by a uh, an autobiography of a guy named Sergei, I'm going to butcher the name, Kordovkov. I think he's a Russian secret police guy. And he wrote an autobiography called The Persecutor. And he, and he basically tells the story of how he came to faith. So I'll just read it really quick. It's not terribly long. Um, so if you're listening to this, get cozy. Get a cup of coffee. Relax. Yeah, that's right. Now, this won't take but a moment. So this is what he says. It just kind of starts in the middle of it. I saw Victor reach out and grab for a young girl, Natasha Zandanova, who was trying to escape to another room. She was a beautiful young girl. What a waste to be a believer. Victor caught her, picked her above his head, and held her high in the air for a second. And she was pleading, don't, please don't, dear God, help us. Victor threw her so hard she hit the wall at the same height she was thrown and then dropped to the floor, semi-conscious, moaning. Victor turned and laughed and exclaimed, I'll bet the idea of God went flying out of her head. On a later raid, Sergei was shocked to see Natasha again. I quickly surveyed the room and saw a sight I couldn't believe. There she was, the same girl. It couldn't be, but it was. Only three nights before, she had been at the other meeting and had been viciously thrown across the room. It was the first time I got a really good look at her. She was more beautiful than I had first remembered. A very beautiful girl with long, flowing blonde hair, large blue eyes, smooth skin, one of the most naturally beautiful girls I've ever seen. I picked her up and flung her down on the table, and two of us stripped her clothes off. One of my men held her down, and I began to hit her and my hands began to sting under the blows, and her skin started to blister, and I continued to hit her until pieces of her bloody flesh came off in my hand. She moaned but fought desperately not to cry. Trying to suppress her cry, she bit her lip until it was bitten through and blood ran down her chin. At last, she gave in and began sobbing. When I was so exhausted, I couldn't even raise my arm for one more blow, and her backside was a mass of raw flesh. I pulled her off the table, and she collapsed on the floor. To Sergei's shock, he encountered her at yet another prayer meeting. But this time, something was different. There she was again, Natasha Zandanova. Several of the guys saw her too. Alex moved toward Natasha, hatred filling his face, his club raised above his head. And then something I never expected to see suddenly happened. Without warning, Victor jumped between Natasha and Alex, facing Alex head on. Get out of my way, Alex shouted angrily. Victor's feet didn't move. He raised his club and said menacingly, Alex, I'm telling you, don't touch her. No one touches her. I listened in amazement, incredibly, as one of my most brutal men was protecting one of the believers. Get back, he shouted to Alex. Get back or I'll let you have it. 
He shielded Natasha, who was cowering on the floor. Angered, Alex shouted, You want her for yourself, don't you? No, Victor shouted back. She has something we don't have. Nobody touches her. Nobody. For one of the first times in my life, I was deeply moved. Natasha did have something. She had been beaten horribly. She had been warned and threatened. She had gone through unbelievable suffering. But here she was again. Even Victor had been moved and recognized it. She had something we didn't have. I wanted to run after her and ask her, what is it? I wanted to talk to her, but she was gone. This heroic Christian girl who suffered so much at, the, at our hands somehow touched and troubled me very much. And then he goes on a little bit further. And he at the end of this thing, he goes, um, the Lord opened Sergei's heart later and he became a Christian. And he wrote this at the end of his, of his autobiography. And finally, to, to, to Natasha, whom I beat terribly and was willing to be beaten a third time for her faith, I want to say, Natasha, largely because of you, my life has now changed. I'm a fellow believer in Christ. I have a new life before me. God has forgiven me. I hope you can also. Thank you, Natasha, wherever you are. I will never, never forget you. Hmm. That's just incredible. It's such an incredible story. And... You know, we read those stats at the beginning of this thing. I have no doubt that a story like that happens regularly across the world. It just so happens, you know, this one's recorded. But it is an incredible thing that Christians who endure persecution and the truth that that speaks to the world, just enduring it, rejoicing it, knowing that we're crushed and perplexed, but we're struck down but not destroyed, that they that they that we go back we go back because we recognize that you know who who can shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation distress persecution famine nakedness danger sword you know nothing for I as Paul says for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord and it's just incredible. It is, it is incredible. And the gospel is the power for this. And I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't long, obviously I don't desire that persecution, that type of persecution, but I do pray that, that if it ever comes my way, something that intense and physical, I do pray that the Lord would be there to sustain me. And that, that example would be a, a witness and my martyrdom would be a demonstration to the world of of who Christ is and what he's done and the promise of the hope of the gospel. Amen to that. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's been a a theological position. It's not a super popular one in terms of just having a lot of writings on it, but there from the earliest days of the church it's been called a martyr's grace where in those times of swift and hard persecution that God supplies his people, his children with the martyr's grace inevitably so that they can Endure through the flames and endure through um, being torn apart by the mouths of lions. I mean, you think of all the vicious things that people have done over the centuries to Christians. Um, it's easy for us to think, perhaps I would endure. But the reality is that just as you can't be saved apart from the grace of God, I think you can't endure through something like that without the grace of God. Yeah. And that's the heart of what they're saying in that position. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think it flows into the, this idea. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but this is what Paul had in mind when he, in Colossians 1 24, and now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church that the outward demonstration of suffering and the grace given to those who go through it, um, extend continue to extend the work of christ is it in a in a demonstrative way to the people that that are seeing or around it yeah well i think that that kind of brings us naturally to um how do we respond to persecution right so let's say that things in our country move well beyond the point of just being verbally accosted and slandered in every which way um things get serious yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Um, so let's say things get worse. What's our response as Christians, at least if we want to be faithful and biblical? Yeah. 
Well, we thankfully we have, so I think, some clear commands in Scripture. Uh, rejoice. We, we touched on that. Um, there's commands in Scripture that we're to pray. Uh, love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5, 44. Um, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. So we're to love and pray for enemies and to bless those that persecute us. Yeah. I always find it interesting because Paul's motivation um, later on he reveals is that so the wrath of God may be filled against them, right? We heap burning coals against them. So by our good works and by our blessing of those who curse us, we actually are heaping up a greater and greater judgment for them on the day of God's wrath being poured out. And so that that tends to, again, put a wrinkle in how we think of things in our modern context. But um, at the end of the day, that, that leads right into the very next reality is that we can, we can know that God in his perfect righteousness and his perfect holiness will execute wrath um, completely and but and also in complete justice, whereas we wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Blake, you look like you're deep in deep in thought. You have something to add there? No, I'm just thinking. I think I mean I'm thinking like, I guess, um on the particular point of responding uh to persecution. Um <clears throat> that like I, I th- and I, I'm just now. I'm just kind of like you're bringing my my inside thoughts out, Jack. I guess because my my kind of thought is is like I wonder if like what we're going through right now is practice. Like how how we respond to that verbal persecution uh, is probably an indicator of how you will respond to more you know macro forms. Of persecution again it's just something i'm just i'm thinking on just right now is you know my response of when somebody you know lights me up in a comment section um like my response to that is it always a god honoring response or am i looking to you know flame somebody you know what i mean yeah like and then like yeah. what's the and, and so like what's the i guess what's the witness that's left there and then beyond that um, how is that preparing me for uh, greater persecution? Because if I can't, if I can't be gracious and Christ-like uh, and godly in a comment section, how do I ever hope to stand before, you know, physical persecutors that are threatening not only me but my family, uh, my church? you know, the ones I love. Um, I don't know. No, I, I had, I wouldn't say I had the same thought, but when I was putting this together, I had similar thoughts and in the way, because again, we get so many trolls on like the comment section and stuff. And I, I sat here and had a moment of reflection. I didn't make the connection that you did, that this might be a precursor to how I'd respond to physical persecution, but or an indicator, but I did, I did have some self-reflection on, have I responded in a way that would that would have been in right the path of righteousness? Right. Yeah. I I look at it and I I know I don't particularly care um, a lot of the time with online stuff. Like there was just a point where a switch flipped in my brain where I'm like, okay, we're done caring about this, and it stopped. Um, so I'm uh, incredibly unemotional with a lot of that stuff. Um, where it gets me is when. I see my wife or my kids or people that I love. So like if I were to see people attack you guys, my immediate response is just, um, I want to leap forward and just go to war. <laughs> like I'll, I'll go to bat for you guys. And people could say the nastiest, vilest thing about me and I'll just take it. But as soon as you hit somebody else, I'm, I'm not okay with that. And that's where I think my disposition would be shown if genuine persecution in the sense of physical persecution hit, right? You know, watching my kids and having to say, um, hold fast, right? Yeah. You're almost there. Yeah, Christ and, is and, faithful even in this. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that would be hard because I know that the way somebody would get to me would not be to kill me. And they would get to me by trying to kill my kids right. or somebody else. And that's where that you line. need. Yeah. I mean, and that's where the, I guess even the thought of it, like gets you fired up. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so that's where Do whatever the, to me. Yeah. Like, like I, that's where the, I think that's where that, uh, martyr's grace comes in. It has to, it, it's so, it's so beyond your human capabilities. At least it is for me. Uh, to, to watch them. I mean, again, we have examples of that stuff in history. That's just, uh, I mean, just split your heart open even to read it, you know? Yep. Um, but even in that, even in all of that, we cannot charge God with any evil. Right? No. And that's, I'm particularly why Christ said, count the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the reality of it is that, uh, the Christian faith is not, this easy committal, easy believism type of deal. Um, the right. faith that God has su- supplied to his people from the very beginning has never been easy. Right, right. And that's what we've been promised from the very beginning, right. too. But as the Christian consensus in America continues to dissolve, uh, and as a lot of uh, older folks that were you know, brought up in the Christian consensus, the moralistic, uh, moralistic consensus as they die, you know, every year in droves and droves and more, uh, younger folks are coming up, uh, that are, you know, being, uh, that are being evangelized very well by the world. Um, and as that Christian consensus slips away, persecution inevitably will heighten unless I mean unless truly unless God brings a major revival um through us then you know this this persecution stuff like I I truly think within our lifetime we may be there I mean look how things have dissolved in just the last couple of years and how rapidly they have dissolved I mean it's not even like I think about you know, we talked. Uh, we we've talked off off screen about you know school, public school, and things like that. I mean, I came up through public school, and I used to think like, well, you know, public school's not. It's got the bad stuff, but it's not that bad. At least like in our area, the school that I went to is not the school that it is now, and it's gotten exponentially worse in in just a short time. I mean. I graduated in 2006, which I guess was like five years ago, right? <laughs> you know, well, I'm the Blake. Yeah. I'm the Blake <laughs> <laughs> I on record, I hate the omelet Blake thing. All right. <laughs> you know, but but again, I, I think as, as things uh, continue to dissolve, we need to prepare for, for, for uh, persecution. Things are growing more intense. It is going to be more costly. We'll start seeing our comforts and our idols of safety and prosperity uh, slipping away. It'll start affecting your pocketbook. It'll start affecting your status. It'll start affecting you know your welcomeness in the neighborhood uh, and in the workplace. Uh, and again, all the indicators uh, Jack has down here, I think this is just a great summary statement, that all the indicators are that the next generation of believers will suffer intensely for their faith. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that article I mentioned, the comment section says something about having a den of lions and for you and stuff. That, that's basically what the article was about. And I wrote it, again, several years ago, and it's only continued to, to move that way. But mm-hmm. but. Yeah, there's, there's an entire generation of Christians that don't seem to understand that refusing to align our language, our choices, our actions, um, just the way we function, the, the choices we make with social commentary, social justice, all these things, the, if we're not aligning those with Scripture, it inevitably becomes a blatant denial of Christ Jesus. And attacks on doctrine of Scripture are attacks on the kingdom of God. And if, if we deny his word, we deny him. And this easy believism uh, that's happened, you know, as, as the years continue to pile up in this postmodern, so will excuse, so will excuses for the way Christians make about why they're willing to deny Jesus. And we stray further away from it. And those that are willing to take a stand um, that to, are to stand on the Bible as the word of God and embrace what the Bible says about the sexual revolution and 
and every other issue that may come up, right? Um, mm-hmm. To stand on the on biblical morality is to invite persecution. It just is, and I, I'll tell you this: I've I've had conversation with my kids about that. Yep. So um, have I. like open conversations, like this is they're young too. Like my kids aren't aren't like in. I have one that's almost thirteen. That's my oldest. Yeah, my oldest is twelve, and. We've done the same thing of like, look, buddy, um, life might get very, very difficult for you. And by difficult, yeah. here's what I mean. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, go ahead, Blake. I just saw this quote. Um, tell me what you think about this. If Christians are living and speaking as they should, they will be attractive to non-believers and persecuted. Attractive to non what Tim Keller. <laughs> That's why. That's why you don't follow. Oh, uh, is that legitimately a quote from him? Yeah, it's a tweet. Yeah. Yeah. If Christians are if if Christians are living and speaking as they should, they will be attractive to non believers and persecuted. I mean, you know what? I'm gonna be with Tim Keller on this. I can kind of see it because I mean, even in that story of Natasha. I mean, Natasha is acting and living in such a way that there is a sense of there's something different about this girl. Um, sure, I'll, I'll and then there's you also that persecution that with that. But a classic Keller tweet just leaves you. Leaves you just hanging in the, in the, he uh, is the king of zone. like, yeah, he's in the king of like this paradoxical tweet. <laughs> like this just what? Yeah, he just sits and like dreams up paradoxical tweets. Um, he, he, here's a verse I didn't. I didn't. What's that? Yes, somebody. Yeah, exactly. Here's a here's a quote, and I'll and I've I shared this with my kids. Um, Luke nine sixty two. Um, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And and I think that would be my my encouragement or admonition, whatever word you want to use for anyone listening to this. Um, because, you know, again, all indications are that the next generation, if not this current generation uh, of believers, are, we're going to begin to see an increase of suffering for those living in the righteousness of the path of Jesus. Right. And think about that. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is, is fit for the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus is reminding us not to look back at the worldly life we left behind. Um, you know, if we stop and look back and, and waver on these, on these issues and on these things we're we're effectively like Lot's wife in Sodom. Like, you know, we are looking back at this life that God has saved us from and we have to keep pressing ahead, keep, keep following Jesus, keep resting his morality. Um, and knowing that we are blessed, we will be glorified or reward is great. So that, that would be as we kind of near the end of the podcast here, I think that would be my encouragement, you know, don't look back, uh, prepare, prepare your children, prepare your friends, have discussions at your church about what, what might happen. Um, I don't, th- and pray. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We shouldn't have said gone an hour and three minutes without saying that, that, that should have been. I also yeah, prayer. think of Hebrews. Um, uh, he's literally addressing people that are um, on the verge of apostasy and he tells them, um, basically the whole way in various different ways, don't give up, right? Um, keep pressing forward for that heavenly rest that you're about to enter into. And one of the reasons that he gives is that they've been persecuted. They've been, some have been thrown in prison. Some have been, uh, or had their houses seized from them. And the reminder is yet again, don't give up. Um, part of what I think will make this, and I have no idea if this will actually happen, but part of what I think this will be unique in is that this next time of suffering, if the American church enters into it, I think will start from other people in the visible church. And the reason I say that is because we already find that divide in so many different ways where you have people giving those subtle whispers and subtle nods to the culture and saying, we're not really like those guys. You know, we're not going to land harder heavy clarification grayson did say the visible church uh, yep. not everybody in the visible church are christians 
If you yeah. need clarification on that, you can go listen to episode one of the Course in the Chaos podcast. For free. For free. Free download. <laughs> on iTunes and Spotify. <laughs> and the it's so different from any other episode that we've done because they're not all free, right? <laughs> There's all that premium paid content out there. That's right. Yeah. You know, we we've have not got, had uh, one 45 minutes ask of us about the premium Blake. content. Come on, people. We've got bills to pay around here. Everybody's like, wait, I thought that was actually a joke. No, it is a joke, guys. Just, uh, just a heads up. Oh, man. Well, that seems like a good place to uh, end the persecution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, guys, why aren't you buying yeah. our paid content? <laughs> that we don't For clarification, we, we have. We don't have. Yes, yeah, we have no paid content. <laughs> well, I guess on that note, we do you uh, do you have anything else to say, gentlemen, or do you want to wrap it up? I'll, I'll have one. I have one more thing I'll add, just as a, in in the spirit of encouragement. Um, I in this in this topic of following Jesus and you know keeping a hand to the plow and staying the course. Um, we need to remember, I, I think about Peter's denial of Jesus, right? Um, it was such a gross sin where, you know, he denied Jesus three times in the courtyard. And even in that he found grace and forgiveness. Um, know that the, and, and we talked, grace and mentioned this several times when, when persecution comes, um, pray that there will be grace for that in Christ. There's forgiveness. Um, Jesus was firm, like Jesus approached Peter and like confronted him directly in a very, very firm way. But there was also grace there, right? Um, instruction. So the harvest is plentiful. The world is going to hate you. Uh, but Jesus's yoke is easy and his burden is light. And yeah, the, our reward in heaven will be so great and and don't forget, he's ultimately overcome the world. Oh, yeah. Take heart. That's one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. All right. Well, for our last episode, um, we'll, we'll be answering some questions. It'll come out in a couple of weeks. And many of you have emailed us questions, messaged us questions, questions on Facebook page, Instagram, all those things. So we'll be, we'll be answering that on the mailbag. And... Yeah. Until then, thanks for thanks for listening. This has been the Chorus and the Chaos podcast. <laughs>